pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks. Then there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. This content may not be suitable for all ages. Listener discretion is advised. Someone was screaming from inside the graveyard. Someone was screaming for me. It says, can you see me? And I responded somehow in my mind, yes. Then it floated to the other corner of my room, stopped, then said, can you see me here? And saw the door open about two or three inches. I froze. From Disturbed Media, join your host, Chad, for true tales of horror, bizarre happenings, and unexplainable events. This is Disturbed. Welcome back in, everyone, and thanks for joining me. This week, I'm bringing you three true horrifying tales and two listener voicemails that will keep you on the edge of your seat. So sit back and listen close as we dive into the horror. We open the show with an email submission from Jem, featuring voice work by Tanya Eby, and we meet the Mimic. My name is Jem, and this is a story on how being a horror movie buff at a young age saved my life. To start off, I should tell you that I lived in a very old, broke town in North Carolina from age 10 to 16. I lived on the same street as a graveyard full of Confederate soldiers, and it was just generally not the safest town you could imagine. I believe the town is very haunted, because this isn't my only story. This is just one of the ones I happen to have experienced with other witnesses to the event. Our town was surrounded by deep woods, and I played there all the time. During the day, only during the day. At night, it was terrifying, and I always felt like I was being watched, so I avoided them after the sun went down. One day during the summer when I was around 13, all four of my brothers went to have a boys' night at their friend's house while I had all my girlfriends stay at my house. It was a blast. We watched movies, ate junk food, danced around the house to music, all the fun sleepover stuff you'd expect out of teenage girls. The area we lived in didn't have light pollution, so we could see the stars. That night was a clear night, so we went out onto the lawn to stargaze. So my five friends and I all laid out in the grass and were there for probably about an hour until we noticed that there was noise coming from the graveyard. We all shut up so that we could listen to whatever it was. There had previously been sacrifices at the graveyard, but that's a whole different story. We just wanted to make sure we weren't about to be murdered by a bunch of asshole kids trying to summon a demon. Again. After listening for a moment and not hearing anything, we laughed it off. That is, 
until we heard someone call out, and then we went silent again. Someone was screaming from inside the graveyard. Someone was screaming for me. Someone who sounded exactly like my oldest brother. I should explain that my brother was overprotective of me and always had been. Anytime there was danger, he would tell me to run as fast as I could until I got home. He also always made a point to tell me that if something bad were to happen to him, then I should just run and not look back. So hearing my brother scream my name was extremely off-putting and out of character. Still, I could hear him screaming, Jem, help, come help me. My friends and I all jumped up off the ground together, but they started down the street. I, however, am now and always have been a horror movie fanatic. I told them to stop because something was very much not right. I pulled out my flip phone and called my brother's cell. Hello, he answered, sounding annoyed as any older brother would to have his kid sister calling him while he was over at his friend's place. Jack, why are you screaming my name from the graveyard? You know we aren't supposed to go there after dark. I said angrily, because first of all, he was breaking the rules, and second of all, this prank was not funny. Not at all. Then I paused, as I heard the sound of Pokemon being played on the Nintendo 64 in the background. Jem, I'm not in the graveyard. I'm at Corey's house. I looked back up and down the road at the graveyard. There was a figure under the light, and it screamed my name again. This time, though, along with my brother's voice, was some sort of distorted sound underneath. Jem, get in the house right now. I heard my brother say suddenly. There was an edge of panic in his voice. Go inside and lock the doors. That's not me. I yelled at my friends to get inside immediately. We ran inside and locked the doors, as well as going around to make sure the windows were locked too. We all huddled in the living room after closing the blinds. Two of my friends were crying and wanted to go home, but my mom wasn't back home from work yet. There was no way any of us were going back outside. We could hear something outside, so I took everyone upstairs and told them all to stay there and to ignore anything else they heard. I had a baseball bat, not that I could have done anything at four foot two, weighing 70 pounds, but I was ready to at least try in the case that something actually happened. Eventually, we fell asleep, and by morning, the thing was gone. But to my absolute horror, there were tracks outside the house that looked like something had been dragging its foot behind it as it walked. I encountered the mimic a few more times before I moved away, but I always ignored it because, well, that's what you're supposed to do. Thank God I watched horror movies and knew better than to make the classic mistake of investigating the weird noises in the graveyard. Do you have your own terrifying encounter? Did something unexplained happen to you? Let us know and get featured on the podcast. Email mystory@disturbedpodcast.com. Up next, we have a listener voicemail from Chelsea, and she has a new neighbor. Hi guys, my name is Chelsea and I am such a big fan of the show. Um, I just recently discovered you guys and I have been (laughs) binging. My story takes place probably about 1998. I was six years old, living in a small suburb of Dallas, Texas. 
Recently, a church had come by my neighborhood to inform all the parents that a child sex offender predator had just been released from prison and moved into the neighborhood. And a couple days later, police even came by to let parents know, make sure your children do not play in the front yard attended. If anything, have them play in the backyard. My cousin Carrie had recently come into town from Houston to stay with us. She was 16 at the time. And because of that, my mom felt it would be okay if I played in the front yard with her supervision. However, she was 16 years old and, you know, we're concerned with her boyfriend. I get it. We all, we all were <laughs> boy crazy teenagers or girl crazy teenagers at some point in our lives. And um, she was sitting up on our porch chatting away to her boyfriend while I was in the driveway playing with my Skip It. And if you guys don't remember that torturesome game, it was this little thing that attached to your ankle and had this long string-like thing with a ball on the end and you had to hop over it. And basically it just was a torture device to take you out at your ankles. However, here I was playing with my Skip It in my driveway, having a blast, when this man comes walking down the street with a little dog. And of course, my parents always taught me the stranger danger rule. You know, if someone tries to pick you up from school, stating that your mom sent me, don't get in the car with them, don't take candy from a stranger, etc., etc. However, I was used to seeing couples and people walk down the street with their dogs and petting them. That's just what a little kid wants to do. They see a cute furry animal and that's that. So what I found weird, though, was that I didn't ask to pet his dog. He specifically came up to me and said, hey, do you want to pet my dog? And of course, my six-year-old self absolutely wanted to. So I start petting his dog, and we're chatting, and he's just complimenting. Oh, you're so good at that game that you're playing. Can you show me more? You're just so talented at that. And... You know, my six-year-old self really wasn't thinking anything weird. I mean, it was definitely weird that here he is complimenting me. But I was so excited about the dog, I wasn't really thinking. When he proceeds to tell me, you know, I have so many animals back at my house. I just live right down the street. I've got bunnies and cats and dogs. Why don't you go ahead and come with me? Now, fortunately, I was smart enough to never take off with any stranger that I didn't know. The weird thing was, my mom's motherly instincts must have been in overdrive. She was all the way in the back room of our house cleaning when she told me she got this intense feeling that something was wrong. She bolted out the front door, screamed, Chelsea, get in this house right now. And I knew when she used my first and middle name, I was in trouble. So I just bolted right into the house. When the man scoops his dog up and takes off at lightning speed down the street. So my mom, being the badass mom she is, takes off after him, follows him to his house, gets his address, calls the police, and they verify that it is the child sex offender that had just moved into the neighborhood. And because he violated his parole or probation, whatever he was on, because he was not supposed to be within X amount of feet of a minor, he was actually sent back to prison for violating that. And I often think back to this moment and think how close I could have come to have being kidnapped, 
being one of his victims. And I am just so absolutely grateful that my mom listened to that motherly instinct, that gut feeling, and raced out when she did. Because who knows what would have happened. He could have scooped me up. He could have tried to break in in the middle of the night. Who knows? So I just want to really reiterate out there to listen to that gut instinct. Even if you feel crazy, you're probably not. It's better to be safe than sorry. So that's my story. Thanks for having me on. Are you listening alone? Rather brave of you. Up next, we check in with Reddit user ThrowawayDBG, featuring voice work by Matt Bradford, and we find something in our room. First, some background. I'm mid-30s and live alone at my house. This experience takes place two years ago inside my bedroom and lasted about 30 seconds, I believe. Now, my bedroom is maybe 15 feet by 15 feet. I was not under the influence of any drugs or alcohol, and I was not tired, exhausted, or anything like that, even though it takes place in my room and happened early evening, probably around 5 p.m. I walked into my room and walked my alarm clock in the corner of my room in order to set it for an early morning I had the next day. My house is quiet, and I live in a quiet neighborhood. I reached down to set my alarm, and then this is where shit gets weird. Every cell in my body was telling me something was strange. There was absolutely no sound. Man, I don't mean it was quiet. I mean there was this void of sound that I'd never heard in my entire life, and I immediately knew something was wrong or not normal. I was very aware something was happening, but I had no clue. This was maybe for about three to five seconds. I turned around, and in the top corner of the room near the door was this thing. I'll do my best to describe it. It was maybe two to two and a half feet wide, round and see-through. It looked like smoke or visible wind rushing from the outside edges towards the center. The center was clear and I could see the wall behind it. Think about the Eye of Sauron from Lord of the Rings, how the fire kind of moves towards the eye slit in the middle. The smoke or wind was moving towards this round center very fast, like so fast you would expect a super loud windy sound, but it was completely silent. I stared at it for a second, and in my mind I thought I should be freaking out right now, but I was almost in this state of sedation as far as the fight-or-flight body response goes. Then it spoke to me. I mean, not out loud, but into my mind. It was extremely invasive. It seemed like telekinesis, for lack of a better term. Before I get to what it said, the best way I've described it to people is to imagine this. You see, you're about to go for an interview for a new job. You visualize sitting across from your potential employer and imagine them asking you questions and how you might answer them. Whatever the interviewer is asking comes from your mind. But this was so different, it did not come from me. I felt at the mercy of whatever it was. Anyway... It wasn't a bad thing like the Eye of Sauron, but ultra-invasive feeling. It says, Can you see me? And I responded somehow in my mind, yes. Then it floated to the other corner of my room, stopped, then said, Can you see me here? And I responded, yes, in the same way in my mind somehow. And then, and I don't know how to convey that I know this, but somehow it moved into my head. I was acutely aware of a presence inside my mind. 
All the while, I'm chilling, like a heart rate of 60 probably, which is very strange. So it's in my mind and asks, can you see me here? To which I respond in the same way in my mind, no, because I couldn't see it anymore. At literally the moment I said no, the room and atmosphere snapped back to reality, and I was 100% aware that this thing was gone, and my heart rate and breathing went through the roof. I was like, what the heck was that? My response later led me to believe that it had some sort of sedation effect on me while I was in its presence. But I had the presence of mind during the experience to understand that I should be freaking out. I've never had a paranormal experience before or after this, but it's strange now. I told a few of my closest friends about it and my girlfriend at the time, and was met with some strange, completely understandable responses. Like, maybe I'm lying, maybe I'm crazy and made it up. Maybe I have a mental disease or something and, and this is how it's manifesting. And to be honest with you, I think all are possible at this point. I say that because, as it stands now, two years later, I have no recollection of the memory. I can only remember the story that I tell people of what happened. So yeah, I do question my own sanity so as not to discount any possibility, but I think it happened. I'm gonna see a hypnotist to see if I can remember anything or maybe he can pull something out of my mind where I'm sort of a liar and made it up. I don't know. He even said I could remember it under hypnosis, but that doesn't necessarily mean that it happened. This wasn't a distressing part of my life by any means. I'm telling you this because I just want to talk about it and learn more about it, as it's an unusual experience. I mean, not that it matters, but I will say that I don't take medications and I don't have a family history of mental disorders. I'm a really healthy guy with a job that requires me to be very skilled and problem solve. Anyway, thanks for listening. This was a really weird experience. We need to get rid of some evidence. Don't go anywhere. Want to listen to Disturbed ad-free? Of course you do. Go to disturbedpodcast.com slash support to get your access today. Pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks? Oh yeah, that's me. Nothing extra, just perfection and a straw. Coming in hot for the coldest cups on the block. Because there are drinks... Then, there are drinks from McDonald's. Mix things up with any size lemonade or sweet tea for $1.49. Perfect with our classic fries. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. You might be surprised to know that not all serial killers are straight, cisgender white men. And the victims of true crime are not a monolith either. She's Wendy and I'm Beth. And together we host Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color, a true crime podcast. Together we take deep dives into the true crime stories about marginalized and minoritized perps and victims that often go untold. We also provide the context and nuance that these stories deserve. At Fruit Loops, we're serving up true crime with a side of history, society, culture, and some fun. Listen to Fruit Loops Serial Killers of Color on Spotify, Google Play, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. From DNA testing to the Dixie Mafia, Crime Capsule brings you new stories of true crime in American history. I'm your host, Benjamin Morris. 
Join us for exclusive interviews with authors from Arcadia Publishing, writing the hottest books on the most chilling stories of our country's past. You can find us wherever you get your favorite podcasts or on evergreenpodcasts.com. Crime Capsule. History so interesting, it's criminal. Now back to the deliciously frightful. Disturbed Podcast with your host, Chad. Next up is a listener voicemail from Samantha. And she met a man who isn't what he claims. Hi. So, first time caller, long time listener. My name is Samantha and I am from Austin, Texas. And I just wanted to say, one, you really helped me to either wake up in the morning when I'm super, super groggy, which happens a lot, or B, to stay awake when it's like 5 p.m. and I'm ready to fall asleep, but that would mess with my sleep schedule. So, oh, you guys, big time, love you. And so here is my gift in return. So in 2012, I was in London and I was meeting two friends there and I had because of the time changes, we hadn't gotten our flights arranged on the same day. So I was on my way to meet them. I had stayed with a friend who was living there and I just take the public transport and come out of the subway. And the group of people that I was with as we were coming out of the subway was slightly different because I had stopped and asked for directions. But of course, the difference in accents between Texas and London are super different. So I had to ask these directions like over and over again. So I was kind of with a different group, but you know, I'm recognizing, I'm paying attention to my surroundings. Thank God for ADHD. And I'm just seeing who's in the group coming out of the subway with me. So as we arrive to the top and are in sunlight, there's this guy who's dressed in, you know, like a short sleeve button up shirt and slacks. And he is walking up to this woman and he's basically saying, I don't know exactly whether I couldn't hear or can't remember. And then when she shuts him down, he just goes over to the next woman in the group. And as we're spreading out from the subway, people are gradually dispersing and going off onto their streets. Well, I am one of the last ones in the group, of course. And so as all of this is happening, I'm thinking, is he going to approach me? Oh my God, he's totally going to approach me. Now, at the time, I was 21. So I had no idea how to handle this stuff. But now that I'm in my 30s, let me just say, if at any point you think, hmm, might I be next? Then you are. You are next. Like, that's that's the thing. So he goes and he approaches all of these women. And I'm kind of overhearing these snippets of conversation. And he's saying different kinds of things. And then he walks up to me and I'm pretty much alone at this point. And I look like a foreigner because I have a bright red suitcase. And in England and Europe in general, they don't really wear a lot of bright colors for whatever reason. So I didn't realize that that would make me a huge target. But as if it wasn't bad enough that I had a suitcase, like, oh my God. Anyway, so as I'm walking along, he tries to talk to me. And so I just said something to make him go away like nope not interested sorry or like I can't talk right now and I was pretty firm about it and then 
he just like he took a step a little bit away from me and he just started crying and it wasn't a normal cry it was this weird keening sound so he's going along doing this and so i speed up you know he's kind of like wandering along and he's keening and if he hadn't been saying so many different things to all the other women and if he hadn't been only talking to the women in the group around me then i would have genuinely thought like oh maybe he's got some sort of like disability social disability or something and maybe he needs help but hell no i knew this was an act from mm, the second the keening happened so i start walking really fast and i'm looking for somewhere that i can go and i see this supermarket and you know it's super bright and it's kind of like a bigger opening and so i just go and i'm speed walking and i just speed walk in so the guys at the front are like hey man excuse me but you know we are closed so you know and i was like okay cool i'll just be a minute cuz i'm thinking i can go back behind one of the aisles and basically like hide behind the shelves and then this guy will pass and by the time he gets to the supermarket he won't see me and because it's getting dark out now it's now dusk and you know it's like getting darker hopefully he'll just keep walking and be like oh like where is she and then just forget about me a little bit naive but still at least i did something so i'm walking back and i'm like okay cool i'll be really fast <laughs> and they're like no like we're already closed like you have to leave and i think it was a bunch of cousins or a group of friends or something and so these guys are kind of congregating and i was like okay look here's the thing I am lost. I am not from here. This guy is following me and I don't know what he's wanting to do, but he's being super creepy and he won't leave me alone. I've already told him I don't want to talk to him and to go away. And if you send me out there onto the street, then like who knows what's going to happen to me and that's going to be on you. Right? And but I don't say it like that. I say it very firm and very like I'm lecturing them. Like I'm your mother, you know, like like well, that's going to be on you. So anyway, so the guys are like, "Okay, well we have to close up." And so there's probably eight of them. And so I'm sitting here and I'm like, oh my God, if they choose to do something, obviously eight guys can overcome one person. So let alone like, am I walking into a different bad situation? I don't know any of these people. I'm in a strange place. Like what the hell? Anyway, so I'm telling them and they're kind of saying like, okay, what does he look like? And I'm saying, you know, he's like 5'10". Okay. He's like average height because 5'10 means nothing in meters and stuff. So I'm like, oh, he's like normal height. He's wearing this stuff. And I don't know him. He's going to say all kinds of whatever things. I don't know what he's going to say, but it's all lies. So the guy, of course, finally walks up. And there's this teeny tiny little courtyard with kind of a small fence around it. I think like a really, really high curb. So that's where I'm like standing with the guys just sort of being like, don't abandon me. Just look threatening. <laughs> look threatening. And so he comes up and he goes, hey, sister, like, what's up? And the crying immediately stops when he sees the guys. And he's just like, hey, sister, I'm so glad that I've met you. Let's go. And so I, the guys look at me and I'm like, I don't know him. Like, whatever he's saying, I do not know him. And so then he starts talking about the Book of Mormon. And he specifically says the Book of Mormon and I'm looking at him and through his white shirt, you can tell that he's not wearing an undershirt. He's definitely not wearing the proper missionary underwear. They have like this very special sacred underwear that they wear. And this motherfucker doesn't realize I have a bunch of best friends who just happen to be members of the Church of Jesus Christ of the Latter-day Saints. And they never refer to themselves as Mormon. 
And so there are just different things like that. And as I'm looking at him, I'm going, "Mm -hmm, yeah, like his suit, his outfit, his this, that, the other doesn't make sense. And he's by himself. And, you know, normally, why would a missionary be by themselves? Don't they normally have buddies? He doesn't have an American accent. So it's not like he's just out here. And also, let's just think about it. Whether you know anything about any religion, you're not going to go following one person and approaching only women to try and convert them to your religion. Like this is so obviously a lie on so many different levels. So I'm telling the guys like, nope, he's lying. He's lying. I'm not like, no, I'm not going with him. This is all a lie. And so of course, you know, the first guy's like, hey man, you need to go. And the second guy is like, you know, yeah, you're going to need to go. And the guy's not going. He's like kind of arguing with them and, and kind of pleading his case. Like, no, I'm just here to like save your souls. And the guys are like, yeah, well, you know, politely, like, you got to go. And then the man turns his attentions to the guys and he's kind of like, oh, well, I'm just trying to like save sister here, la la la. And the guys were of either like Turkish or Arabic descent, something along those lines. And there are a lot of immigrants or like second generations in England, just like over here in the States. And so these guys were obviously part of some sort of group like that. And so he was just kind of looking at them, I guess, assuming he could rely on sexist ideas that he had about their culture. And eventually the guys just ran him off. So moral of the story, thank you so much to those guys. I'll be eternally grateful. If you ever see a bunch of young Turkish men, hey, those are your buddies, maybe. (laughs) And also trust your instincts. And to that motherfucking fake Mormon, oh, you better hope we never meet again. Are you loving the show? Let us know with a positive rating and review. In return, we'll help you hide the body. And finally, we close out the show hearing from Reddit user Under the Bridge 00, featuring voice work by John Patnode. And we're locked in with an intruder. Me, my sister, and my mom have been trying to make sense of this for the past couple of hours, and the facts get less comforting the more we compare our experiences of that night. So, last Friday, I was home alone while my family, besides my sister, who was at work, stayed in their cabin a few kilometers away. I'm used to staying home alone, as this exact scenario is very common in the summertime, especially when I'm working and can't travel from the cabin and back. I'm not usually jumpy or afraid while home alone anymore, used to the odd creaks and settling noises of our old house. I was especially comforted by the fact that my sister's dog was also in the house with me that night, and most noises could be attributed to him, and if anything were to happen, he would act as a guard dog of sorts and alert me to anything odd. At the same time, however, he is the type of dog to bark at any noise or person walking past the door or windows, so I'm used to hearing him bark or growl at night. Even so, this past Friday, the sound of his barks at nearly 12 a.m. were disconcerting to say the least. Despite my comfort with staying home alone, I'm still terrified of the premise of a break-in or some other uninvited human interaction at midnight. I let him bark for a few seconds, telling myself it was just someone walking past our glass door in the adjacent alleyway, and he would quiet down once they passed. Needless to say, that's not what happened. 
He kept barking and growling for a few moments too long, and I finally got out of bed. I sleep in the basement, and walked upstairs to check it out. As I'd suspected, he was standing alert at the glass door. I was comforted for a moment until I walked over, ready to close the curtains and go back to sleep, and saw the door open about two or three inches. I froze. I had let Bosco, the dog, out earlier that night, but I knew I closed the door. I have never left this door open. I'm a paranoid person with bad anxiety, especially concerning break-ins and the like, so I would never, home alone, forget to close the door. I am 100% certain. But at the time, I didn't let myself think about these facts or even acknowledge that I couldn't have left the door open because I knew it would send me into a spiral, possibly even an anxiety or a panic attack if I didn't explain this away. I closed and locked the door, double-checking that it was certainly locked. Using the flashlight on my phone, the lights were all off. I looked around the entire second floor of my three-floor house, including closets and other reasonable hiding spots just to put my mind at ease, and upon finding nothing, went back downstairs to my room. As I was down there, trying to push away the fear, I could hear Bosco walking around the floor that doubles as my bedroom's roof. I thought I was overthinking it when it started to sound like human footsteps accompanied by Bosco's footsteps. He walks around for about 10 minutes before I put in my earphones and talk myself down until I can fall asleep. At 2am that same night, my sister comes home from work. I woke up a few minutes before this to Bosco in the basement, which he never does there's even a gate to stop him from getting to the basement, whining at my bedroom door. When I got up to let him out, my sister walked in, and we let him out the front door rather than the glass patio door, letting him in the same way. We talked for a while before I went back downstairs, and my sister went to the bathroom. I forgot about the door, busy with work for the next few days, and forgot to mention it to anyone until tonight. My sister and mom were home with me for a movie night while my dad and my brothers stayed at the cabin. I remembered the door situation when we were picking out horror movies to watch. I was sharing it as a creepy, almost funny story before my sister spoke up, saying that the same night, an hour or so after they got home, the door was open again. The same door that was locked from the inside and not open since earlier that night. My stomach dropped, and I started shaking the second this was revealed. We first started trying to explain it away. Maybe she had let Bosco out and forgot to close it until we both recalled that we'd used the front door. Then we were trying to justify a reason someone would break in to not steal anything and proceed to stay for two hours before leaving. Ultimately, I realized that I quite possibly locked someone in the house with me then forced them to hide upstairs while I searched the second level of our house. Then this hypothetical person would be trapped up there, now knowing that this house, that appears empty with the rest of the family gone and all the lights off, was not empty. And there was a dog who would bark if they showed themselves again, alerting me to their presence. Then when I was in the basement and my sister was in the bathroom, they ran out the glass door which is timed perfectly to when they found the door open once more, much wider than it was when I found it as though they were only in a hurry on the way out. Perhaps they left it open the first time for a quick escape, or to stop the loud sound of it meeting the doorframe. Either way, it ties together too perfectly for me to reasonably brush it off. 
I know it's unlikely, especially with nothing missing, but in this small town, there have been many reports of break-ins with nothing missing. Vandalizing or just breaking and enterings many, many times so it's not as unlikely as it may be in a bigger city. <sighs> I can't make sense of this. And I'm shaking up thinking of the possibility of someone being in my house while I was asleep, alone in my basement. There's a part of me that doesn't believe it. But I can't shake the too many coincidences that all tie together to make this as concerning as it is. Follow our social channels on Facebook and Instagram at Disturbed Podcast and on Twitter at Disturbed underscore pod. Don't forget you can send in your own true terrifying tale in a variety of different ways. Head over to disturbedpodcast.com slash submit. If you'd like to support the show, you can get early access to our premium feed featuring ad-free listening and bonus episodes. Visit patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast to learn more. And let's shout out our newest supporters. Hayden Culver, Christina Moon, Oliver Boyer, Ben Sampson, and Kayla Mott. They all get instant access to our catalog of bonus episodes, ad-free listening, and 24-hour early episode releases, and you can too over at patreon.com slash disturbedpodcast. Music by Carl Casey at whitebataudio and co.ag. Thanks for listening. We'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. And stay safe out there, y'all. Disturbed.